Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, Graysale Brewing, Providence Ballet Theater, New Bedford Festival Theater, Jane Adams Resource Corporation, Festival Ballet, Trinity Brewhouse, CIC Providence, and R1 Indoor Karting. I am your host, John Fusick. Today, we have legendary bassist Leland Sklar. He has played on over 2,000 albums and with some of the biggest names in music, such as James Taylor, Jackson Brown, Phil Collins, and so many more. He has a photo book titled Everybody Loves Me and has a very popular YouTube channel where he runs through his bass parts for the iconic songs he has been a part of. He also has a band called The Immediate Family that includes other legendary players such as Waddy Wattel and Russ Kunkel. I was fortunate to chat with Leland in a little of his downtime between his many, many tours. Stepped on a lot of toes And you broke a lot of hearts And you rolled up and down Against a lot of people's body parts You thought that loving would be good for you All that loving and you still feel blue You think about the life you missed It's such a cruel twist Such a cruel twist such a cruel, cruel twist Such a cruel twist Such a cruel, cruel twist Yeah, the good and bad things you do Gonna come back to you Once you were sitting pretty And the world was at your command But reality got gritty and I don't think that you understand You thought that time was your best friend But you're further from the beginning And you are to the end You think about the life you missed Such a cruel twist Such a cruel twist Such a cruel, cruel twist Such a cruel twist Gonna come back to you What goes around Comes around You better use your head Cause what goes up Will surely come down But you never listen to what Dealt to you, but one thing you know is true: the good and bad things you do gonna come back to you, and it'll be a cruel twist, 
kind of sit and wonder when when are the perks for you <laughs> so, so you were doing a basset rescue yeah i do uh this djing thing it's kind of funny of like i don't know eight ten years ago somebody asked me to do this because they know i'm a musician and they know i had sound stuff and i had never dj'd before but i ended up putting together like you know 60 or 70 songs about dogs put together this program and i've been doing it ever since at this basset hound rescue oh that's good where's the rescue. So, New England Basset Hound Rescue. Yeah, because we've got uh, a couple of rescues out here that we're involved with you know, out in LA. So I was just curious about that. Yeah, and I hear the, I hear the, the, the oh, oh, all day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They, they are just a pure delight, but they are maniacs. Too. Yeah. It's like, like, perpetual kids so you're always no matter how old they get they're always rambunctious and getting into things so yeah well, i mean so I'm, a, that- I'm a big dog person anyway i don't have any dogs anymore i had dogs for most of my life but my dogs have died and i'm a musician too and it's um you know it's kind of you kind of get busy it's and it's hard. it's hard so i have a cat so i have a couple cats of cats too. <laughs> yeah, i love cats too no, that's good mine will probably be wandering around here while i'm talking to you and knocking shit over so Good, good. Well, then they're doing what they're supposed to do. I've wanted to talk to you for a while. You you seem like a very interesting guy. I mean, I love your, what you do musically, but I was really enjoying your Facebook post for a few years, and you were getting kicked off of Facebook every other day, it seemed like. Oh, yeah. Because you were very outspoken, and I, I liked that about you, that you how outspoken you were about things. Lots, lots yet to go, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was just funny that you were getting kicked off all the time, and it seems like you were always you're always in facebook purgatory yeah they they would n- normally kick me off about uh, on an average of about 150 days a year i think you've been quiet which, which I, I wore that as a uh, as a uh, badge of honor yeah i got kicked off quite a bit too for the same reason that's why i was very uh, entertained by your page because you were doing a lot like well we're doing a lot of the same thing so i was i i appreciate people who are like that so cool so you, let's jump in yeah i you are it's just amazing what you've done in your career. I mean, you've played on over 2,000 albums. There were just songs like, you know, it's every time you look at songs, nine out of ten types, you're the bass player on it. I mean, I saw that you played on Evergreen with Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, and you played on Doctor My Eyes with Jackson Brown. And I've seen you in a few bands live over the years, um, mostly James Taylor, who's now a Rhode Islander, too. And my friend brings him out to his boat often. It's <laughs> amazing. Maybe you'll be stopping by Rhode Island sometime. Well, you never know, because I'm going to be out all summer with Lyle Lovett. We might be in, in the area, too, with the large band. Oh, really good. I like Lyle. He's a nice guy. I've met him a couple of times. Very nice oh, guy. Yeah, uh, it, we have all doing that. And I saw a picture of you lined up with your suits on from that recently. Oh, yeah. I'm, actually, I'm going to go out and I'm going to hit some clothing stores and try to find the lightest possible weight black suit jacket I can find, because so many of the gigs are summertime outside. Yeah. It is just brutal. So oh. I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm going to be hunting something down there. I don't know how people do that. I, I used to uh, stage manage a, a bluegrass festival in upstate New York, and Del Macari used to come out, and it would be in the mid-90s and in the sun, and he, him and his band would come out and suit and ties, and yep. they would just be frenetic out there where they're playing, and I just don't understand how they could do it. I was dying in shorts and a t-shirt. I know. It's, it's brutal, and especially like with Lyle, where sometimes we'll do 15 cities in a row. Zero time for any kind of you know dry cleaning or anything like that, so it can get funky. <laughs> so, you know, it, but it is what it is. We're working that's that's what counts you're working all the time you are one busy guy and it it doesn't seem i mean you're 75 years old and you have no signs of slowing down at all do you no none none whatsoever yeah i i love what i'm 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 one of those people that's blessed to do what you love to do so you know why you know why stop now i figure i'll be uh, 76 in may so i figure i'm watching people dropping every day and i'm kind of going um keep keep going here as long as you can what day in May are you? Uh, 28. Oh, I'm the 10th. Oh, cool. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be going out. I'm still heading out again. We've got four more gigs to do uh, in April with it, and then in, in the middle of a bunch of film festivals with Denny Tedesco for the for the documentary about our, our band. And so there's a lot of shit going on. Oh, that's but not finished yet? Well, it's done. What they're doing is film festivals to find a buyer. It's all... It's finished, it's paid for. Now they're looking for any, you know, who knows, Netflix or somebody, however it's going to be sold and then then shown. So this, this is the business side of it that I really don't know anything about. So... But the film itself is, I, I, I'm going to as many of the screenings as I can so that we can do Q&As and stuff like that um, for the audience. Oh, yeah, I, I, I saw something about that. I wanted to ask you about that documentary, when it, won't be, when it would be around. Yeah. Hopefully it comes around here. I mean, the history in that band alone, you and Wadi and Russ, I mean, those three right alone, I, those are the three I know in that band off the top of my head. Um, yeah, and Cooch has been there since day one, too, Danny. And the only newbie on the thing is Steve Postel who I've been working with about 15 years so he's the new kid on the block <laughs> but uh, yeah it's a, it's a it's a really an amazing piece of work Dan, you know I, I was such a fan of the wrecking crew and Denny took this to another you know ne- the next level doing you know this one uh, and we were all I mean totally flattered and shocked that we became the subject of a documentary but it's it's done really well at the festivals it's one favorite you know audience favorite film it's one best music documentary just at the Boulder Film Festival we're heading down to Orlando Film Festival and then up to the San Rafael Film Festival and there's another one he just contacted me about so you know I mean it's it's, it's really a, a pretty cool opportunity to have a piece of legacy uh, that you can kind of look back on now what is the official name of the film the immediate family Oh, okay. It's just the name of the band then. Yeah. Now that's that is kind of akin to you. You are in a way akin to the Wrecking Crew because you have played with so many people very similarly to the Wrecking Crew. But you have actually played with some of those people in the Wrecking Crew as well, right? Yeah, I, I did a lot of sessions with Hal Blaine, with Tommy Tedesco, uh, Mike Melvoin, uh, Larry Nectel, Mike Rubini, Jim Gordon. I mean, uh, tons of tons of these guys. Al Casey. The thing was, I was in a band. In 
in the late 60s, or in 67, called Group Therapy. We, we were signed to a label, and we were not allowed to play on our record. We were too young and inexperienced. And Mike Post produced us. When we went in the studio, there was the Wrecking Crew in the studio at United Recorders playing on our thing. And I was watching them, thinking to myself, I could never do this. Watching how they pulled the thing together and did an amazing job. And three years later, I was working with them every day. Wow, that's amazing. I, I, and it was fun for me. I went to a bunch of the uh, screenings of the Wrecking Crew because I was kind of this transitory player that uh, got to, to to be with them on multiple levels. It was great. It was really great. Yeah, that's that's an honor. Yeah, yeah. Carol Kay was the bass player on our record. So, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Now you said Mike Post. Now you ended up working with Mike Post for a long time. I, I did all of Mike Post's TV shows. So you did and all those those themes those theme songs. Yeah, like we started with Rockford Files and then Magnum PI and Hill Street Blues and the A Team and God, I mean, it just goes on and on with him. Wow, there were so many shows. So that was great. I, I loved it. Yeah, you know, I really I had such a good time doing those shows, and it was such a great group of musicians. Pretty much the same core of guys that did all those shows. So we we had a great time. It became almost like family. That's hence the immediate family. That's where it comes. I, I listened to a bunch of uh, your music last night. I liked it.
sheets Straight to an angel to kill the heat I need a hand to hold to break my fall If I can get through this, I can get through it all Slipping and sliding again Yeah, I'm slipping and sliding again Why am I slipping and sliding again? Don't ask me, just ask the devil, man Slipping been sitting on now got about eight months oh really yeah and we're just kind of we're not sure when it's going to be released because they were hoping to release it in conjunction with the film mm-hmm. so that they could do like double promotion and all that between the, the whoever has the film and the record company so we're kind of just still in a holding pattern with that but it's great i, I love this record it turned out so great but it's just sitting in the can right now and we're just kind of thinking we don't want to just throw it out there because at this point we can't tour it well, yeah, that happened during the pandemic, too. You were putting out your first record, and it just happened to coincide with the pandemic, so you had to sit on that yeah. a little while, too. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's been a, I mean, it's been a real squirrely couple of years for everybody. Yeah. Really, really tough times for the, for this, for everybody, but this business, too, really just... Um, oh, I know. I'm still yeah. trying to make up for a lot of it. Yep. It's, you know, yeah. we're still trying to recover audiences and... and real uh, Venues, man. So many venues that went under during this period. Oh, I know. That's that's the drag too. I'm I'm just got in touch with one that I was playing regularly for years, and you know there it's three years later, and they might be getting back to music this year. Maybe we'll see. Jesus, Jesus. But, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's real tough. But you know, all you can do is hang in there and, and hope for the best. You certainly can't give up on. It, so. Right. One of the things that I noticed, and I remember watching this film, is you were in the film Rhinestone with Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton. You were in the band. Yep. I saw a video of that as well. I remember that movie. That must have been. Uh, a- it was fun. I did that for Dolly. Dolly. Dolly and I are really good friends, and she asked if I would be game for, you know, being in this thing, and I said, absolutely, I'd, I'd do anything, so it, it was a lot of fun. We had we had a good time doing that. It was it was pretty silly. You know, again, again, that was Mike Post did work on, did the music for that, so it, uh, we had a lot of the same guys that normally were doing things, like Joey Scarberry, who we did, Greatest American Hero was, was in the band, and, you know, a bunch of different guys. Mike Baird was the drummer in that. Mike was the drummer on most of Mike Post's TV shows and stuff so it was a, still that same little unit even though we got to wear red cowboy suits <laughs> <laughs> now you started off as a piano player with Liberace as your inspiration absolutely that's yeah. pretty cool uh, but the, you had a problem with the piano because your piano teacher got kind of pushy or something well no it really wasn't well it was sort of that what, what happened was I started when I was five and I was to an extent like the proverbial child prodigy and I and I think what happened was my teacher saw me as uh, as an opportunity for her to come up successful 
by having me. And through that, there was a lot of pressure for performances, um, a lot of recital things. And I, I, I think by the time I was about 12 years old, I was pretty burned out with it. And so I, it was a fortunate time that when I went into junior high school, you know, I, I was sort of under the assumption that I would be like the piano player because this is all I had done for so many years. And they had, a, as they say, a plethora of piano players. They really needed a string bass player. Then he pulled out an old K upright, put it in my hands and showed me how to hold it. And I immediately fell in love with it. And I said, done. And I stopped playing piano at that point and just focused on, on bass. And then I went through a lot with that too, because all of that in the beginning was on upright bass. But as I started to join bands when the Beatles hit and rock and roll entered our lives, all of a sudden, you know, you weren't, uh, in, you weren't in, in, um, in the, in the kind of the same situation as the rest of the band, because they were electric and you're sitting there with this big upright bass. And then finally my dad took me and we bought a, uh, an electric bass and, and an amp and it really that changed my whole life you know suddenly i was a contender I was watching a video of you yesterday, and you had this very interesting bass. I've never seen a bass like it. it had angled frets on it. Yep, it's a it's a Dingwall, D-I-N-G-W-A-L-L. -L. The guy who builds those, his name is Sheldon Dingwall, and he's up in um, Saskatoon, Canada. And it's called it's just called fan fretting, and it, the concept came about by a luthier named Ralph Novax, and it's called the Novax fan fret system. And basically, the whole idea of it is that when you open up a piano, the low note strings are longer than the high note strings. So what this does is it tempers the bass. And it for me, it, it reads better than almost any other bass I've ever used. Engineers love it when they hear it live. The thing's absolute killer bass. That's what I'm using. On Lyle's tour, it's the bass I used with Phil Collins and with Toto and everybody. So, uh, so it's called Dean Wall. Yeah, it was interesting. I was wondering how you get used to playing that, though, because... It took about one, it took about two minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. And, would... and, and, and that's probably being, being ridiculous. It was probably more like about 40 seconds. <laughs> It's just one of those things that just felt right the minute I played it. It just felt good. Yeah, because I I've looked at it. I've been playing now for about 20 years. Oh, okay. When you were in college, you went to, and you played drums in college for a while, didn't you? You played, like, in the marching band? Well, no, that was in high school. Oh, that was uh, in high school? Yeah, and, and I, I played bass drum for one one season because being a string bass player, you really, you were a music major, and you, had an, you were playing an instrument that there was no use for in a marching band, but that was part of the curriculum so i did one semester with bass drum and then the next semester i became the drum major <laughs> so i didn't have to worry about lugging anything around i got to just stand in front and yell at people <laughs> you it sounded like uh you did well we it sounded like we did similar things in college i went to school as a music major i didn't last very long because i didn't like the outcome was just going to be a teacher and that seems like that's exactly. the same thing i wanted that's to play exactly what i didn't yeah, I wanted to just play. Yeah, I mean, it was a really difficult time, so I ended up leaving the music department in college and, and became a, an art and science co-major and was doing that when I ended up meeting James Taylor, and then all of a sudden my entire life became completely different. Well, I, yeah, you. I've seen some of your art. You've got some cool art on your website as well. I mean, that's what I wound yeah. up doing was I became an art major too instead of music and but i i met james taylor but i didn't i didn't get famous like you <laughs> you know we, it's it's the luck of the draw every time 
and you never know what's you know what's around the corner. And I always tell people when I do clinics and master classes and stuff, I say just never say no because you don't know what's going to happen. Right, right. Yes, I've I've said that to people as well because I mean I've told people it's like when you go out and play, it doesn't matter if there's a thousand people in the room or two people in the room because those one of those two people could matter. Absolutely, and they do matter. Beauty of it. Yes, I've done it myself because I run a festival and I've you know gone to shows where I've been one of two people and was wowed by the performer and end up booking them for a festival. Now, one of the things I read, and this is kind of funny, is that you went to school with and played with Daryl Dragon from The Captain It's Neil and Cheech Marin. You were in college with them. Cheech and I were in the um, art department at Cal State Northridge together. And and at one point, I mean, it it was really funny where we were talking one day and he was telling me that he and a friend were going to try doing a comedy act. And I just said, yeah, good luck. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're the biggest act in the world. So that was that was a trip. But when when I was in this band in 1968, I guess it was called Little John Farm, which our the guitar player, lead singer in the group, grew up in Texas on a place called the Little John Farm. So we just called it after that. But the thing that was great in that was when I was in the music department in college, Daryl Dragon and I were the two upright players in the orchestra. When I was in this band, Little John Farm, his brother Doug Dragon was the B3 player, and Dennis Dragon, his other brother, was our drummer. Ended up working with all three Dragon brothers, and my dad... <laughs> Carmen Dragon was the conductor of the Glendale Symphony Orchestra. He was a pretty renowned uh, conductor out here. So it was a, definitely a musical family. And I don't think I don't think any of them are, are alive anymore. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know he died recently, well, within the past couple of years, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I think the brothers also passed away. But I, I know Dennis, the drummer, He's I think he was one of the founders of this band, Butthole Surfers. Oh, cool. I like that band. So uh, your iconic beard started in 1965? Yeah, I mean, it was a repressive time in school. So, they, you know, they, they, you know if, you're, if they could pull your hair, you know, over your ear, you would be sent to the principal. Really a weird time. And so when I got handed my diploma, I just said, fuck this shit, I'm out of here. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to put up with this anymore, and and it just and then it just came what it is, you know. I mean, it, 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 the weird thing is, you know, not being able to go almost anywhere without being stopped by people, which is flattering, but at times you kind of go really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went through the long beard phase a few years ago. I only I had it down about mid chest for a while, and then I ended up trimming it. But uh, I've had a beard since I was sixteen. I, I grew mine during yeah. high school, so that's been about well, fif- were fifty lucky years. <laughs> Well, at least you were allowed to do that. It, it it didn't go over very well. I was in the, in the seventies, and it was still I still got crap about it then. But yeah, well, you, people still get crap, even though now every other ad on Facebook and everything is for hair and beard growth. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pendulum's always swinging. There's you know something else going on. So now you do you sell a lot of those beard T-shirts that you have. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty I mean, cool. It's funny to show up at a gig and you see a whole bunch of people sitting in the audience wearing those things. Uh, this afternoon, when I get when these guys finish working in my house, I've got a bunch of book and T-shirt orders, and then a couple of pieces of art that I have to mail off. So, kind of a daily routine, sort of this turned into this little side business, which has been pretty amazing. Well, that's you know, I mean, that your website is is LelandSklarsBeard.com. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, what happened was when, when it came time, I needed to put together a website to figure out how to, you know, sell stuff and do all that. And I and I went to get LelandSklar.com or LeeSklar.com, both of which had been taken. Somebody owned those domains. Really? Um, yeah, I think people do that. They, they, they sort of, you know, in the beginning, they can buy these things really cheap, and then they hope that someday you might need it and that you'll pay them a bunch of money for it. And I, my idea, the attitude is fuck them. Yeah, that's mine so, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, so at that point, I just started kicking ideas around of other things that I could call it. And we, we thought of Leland Sklar's beard, and it was available, so I just grabbed it. <laughs> Now, you have a book out that I've seen you've been pushing for a while, Everybody Loves Me, and it's a book of photographs of people chucking you the bird. Yep. That- it's, uh, it's, it, there's a, I mean, I've, I've got probably around twelve or 13,000 photographs in my collection, and I think there's between five and 6,000 in the book. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's, I went in deep on this thing. The book is really high quality. It's a huge book. It weighs six pounds. Wow. It's, uh, it's got a padded cover. You know, the, the quality of, of the printing in it is, is really high end. So so it, it's, it's, it was one of these things that started as a total accident. Giving the finger was not a big part of my, my life. But back in 2004, when we were doing Phil Collins' um, first final farewell tour, it was talked that Phil was probably going to retire at the end of that tour. He had been contemplating that. And we had a huge, I mean, there's probably 100 people out there on that tour. And I thought, I may never see a lot of these people again because it's the tour that brought us together. So I thought, I'll just take pictures of everybody and uh, and tuck it away just for my, you know, a little memory thing down the line. And the first person I walked up to was my base deck, Steve uh, Winstead. And uh, we were all, we were fucking with each other the whole time we were on the tour. And he was sitting at his laptop and I said, you know, his nickname was Chinner. I said, hey, Chinner, give me a smile. And he flipped me off. And I looked at the picture and I went, well, oh, this is actually pretty good. So I went and got Phil and his manager, the, the band, all the crew, the truck drivers, bus drivers, pilots, caterers, everybody. I had about 150 pictures and just tucked it away like I had planned on. And then a couple of years later, I, I did the first tour I did with Toto, I think around 2007. And I got pictures of everybody there too. And I got up to about 300 pictures and started to take on a life of its own at that point. People heard about it and they would come running up to me like when I'd be at the NAM show or any place like that. Guys would run up and just give me the finger. So... Um, so it, it, it and I've got it. I mean, and, and I've got everything from just babies and little kids to the average person on the street to you know tons of people like Jeff Beck and Charlie Watts and I mean you name it, Phil Collins and, and Bonnie Raitt. I mean everybody imaginable was in this thing, and some didn't make the cut, which you know it got so involved making it that that I lost track of some. And I've got a great picture of Yo Yo Ma that is not in the book, so I figure at some point I'll use these down the book. I've, I've got. Vince Gill and just tons of people. It's it, it's a real fun thing. I mean, I've sold about half of what I've printed on it so far. And and Lyle Lovett's been really nice and said, you know, be sure and have them out for the summer tour. Oh, I, that's great. I, I took 50 of them out that I could fit into my road cases for the six-week tour that we just did, this acoustic tour, and sold the 50 of them in the first 10 days of the tour. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ship out a pallet of them, which is about... 275 books and hopefully so it's 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 been a fun thing and everybody who's who's bought them just goes man everybody loves what they come over to the house and they see it sitting there and they start going through it and they can't stop because there's so many pictures and then they recognize you know i mean barry manilow and art <laughs> Paul 
Williams and, and Van Dyke Parks, Lisa Loeb. I mean, it, you know, the, the hard part for me when I look at it is it's a tremendous amount of people have passed away. Yeah, that's sad. So, but, but that's life. Yeah, I saw uh, Chris Isaac do a little promo on your, on oh, your yeah. Facebook page. That was kind of funny. Oh, I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah. I was co-billing with him with Lyle last summer on a bunch of shows, and Chris is in the book. So he said, oh, I'll do one. I've got a bunch of people. Lawrence Fishburne's going to do one of those little ads, and Billy Bob Thornton's <laughs> in the book. He said he would do one, too. And, you know, so I'm, I'm hitting on everybody. We just finished doing an album with Susanna Haas from the Bangles. Oh, yeah, she's Girl. got a book out, and she's going to be going on a tour. Yeah, she's doing a book tour right now. Yeah, she sticks around LA most of the time, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. hasn't. I mean, I'm on the East Coast, so I don't really. I, I'm hoping at some point she'll make it out here. I mean, people cut back these days on travel because it's so expensive and such a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that with her. But, you know, it's all, it's all good. I mean, it's just nice to see everybody. I mean, Jackson Brown is in Pan right now on tour. You know, everybody's, everybody's, you know, trying to get back in the saddle and be working because this is what we do. So, you know, it was a pretty bleak couple of years. Like you, like you say, as a player, you know it. Right. And uh, so, you know, to have opportunities for things to be happening again is is, is great. You know, I, I cannot complain at all. It's just just grateful for the phone to ring. Well, I, I have a feeling you're going to be busy. I mean, you'll probably drop on stage that you'll be so busy. I hope so. <laughs> I, hope, I hope that's where it is. Put me in a road case and bury the road case. <laughs> Now, one of the bands I saw you play with was a band called the Barefoot Servants with John Butcher, and John Butcher is a New Englander. Absolutely, Boston, John Butcher's Axis. Yeah, I, I remember him being around. I, I just learned, I didn't know that you guys were in a band. That's pretty cool. But yeah, we had a ball with that. It was Ben Schultz playing guitar, John Butcher playing guitar and singing, and Ray Brinker was the drummer. You were playing... And I loved that band. We had a ball. That, was, that band killed it. You were playing Bubba Fests or something, it said? Yeah, we did a thing. It was called the Southern Spirit Tour. And it was Marshall Tucker, 38 Special, the Thunderbirds and the Outlaws, and us. And we were the opening act. And every night, the other bands would come early to watch our set. And they all said, you know, you guys really should be the headliners. Your band, the immediate family, I mean, really, like I said, I, I'm not as familiar with the two members, but I'm a f totally familiar with uh, you, Russ, and Waddy. I mean, especially during the 70s, I don't think there was a band out. I I mean, I would go to concerts and I would see you in these concerts, you know, Russ and Waddy. And I mean, it was it was a great period then. And and the thing that's great is everybody's still still at it. I mean, when I go out this summer with Lyle, Russ is playing drums with that. Waddy's out right now with Steve. He's Stevie Nicks, musical director and guitarist. So he's out with her. Yeah, he's been with her for a long time. And, and yeah, he's been with her since the beginning. To her, he's been there since day one. Yeah, well, he was at Buckingham next too. He played with them. Yeah, yeah, he was he was integral in that out in that album getting made. He's an amazing cat and, and just one of the nicest people I've ever known. So, and I found out he used to be around Newport. He and, and Postel and and Cooch, they were all New York guys. Yeah, and he was uh, doing stuff with the cow cells. Yeah, and, and Waddy played with the Everly Brothers um, for, for quite a while. That's how he met Warren Zevon, was their musical director at one point. Yeah, I saw you and folks doing a Warren Zevon song. I love Warren. Did you play with him as well? Yeah, we did a lot of work with Warren. Did What albums did you record on? Oh, I, I, I'd have to go. 
you'd have to look all that stuff up. I don't, I, I don't remember titles, um, but Lawyers, Guns, and Money, I think the, the Envoy, I think was an album. I don't know. You, you'd have to look that up. I, I yeah, I imagine that. It, it, I mean, with all these albums, it, it'd be hard to remember. I can't imagine having that resume in my head and trying to, you know, access that. That's just... Well, when I do, I've, I've been, since the beginning of COVID, I started a YouTube channel, and on my YouTube channel, it's required me to go back and visit my career because I talk about a different thing I've worked on every single day. I've got about 1,250 or 60 videos up right now. Yeah, and, I watched uh, a film. You got like 219,000 fans uh, on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been amazing. And I've got a clubhouse that I do from that thing that I do a twice a month live stream. And then I have a once a month get together where people can come on and we do a one on one FaceTime or Skype. I talk to them for about 20, 30 minutes each. So, you know, I've just looked at every opportunity to, to stay busy during a period of uh, extreme lack of busy. And, and, it, and the, the thing that's been hard about it now, though, is now that I'm in the studio and, and touring again, I don't want to give up any of the things I did to fill my time during the lockdown. So it's like I've got twice the, the workload that I had before everything. Right. So it's, it, but I don't, you know, I don't want to not be doing it because it's it's been so satisfying and I enjoy it so much. So it's just more of it's more of a challenge in figuring out how to uh, to budget my time. It'll keep you young and going as long as you stay active. It well, it'll keep me young as, as long as I don't look at any reflective surfaces. Because <laughs> then I wonder who the old guy that broke into my house is. I don't want to take up any more time. I could probably talk to you for hours and just get you to recount some stories of stuff because, I mean, I know that you've got stories and stuff because, I mean, of all the people you've played with, James Taylor, Phil Collins, Jackson Brown, Linda Ronstadt, I mean, you were it. You and Waddy and Russ, you were the, the go-to guys in the 70s and 80s, and it's just, I mean, you know, just even one they of were, those acts. They were desperate times. They were desperate times. <laughs> Those were great times for music. Just oh, the I James Taylor it. band alone, that was, you know. I loved it. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I mean, you've had quite the life, and it's a, quite an envious life, the things that you've gotten yeah, to do, and I it's agree. because of music. And it's it's wonderful that you're still out there doing it, and I hope you go out and stay doing it for a very long time to come. Well, hopefully, with like maybe this summer, we'll come through Rhode Island. So uh, I'll let you get back to Alamland and Basset Hound. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy, but, uh, but it's great talking to you. I do appreciate Appreciate it. Thank you, you very much.
Thanks to Leland Sklar for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. You can find out more about Leland, his books, and music at LelandSklarsBeard.com. That's L-E-L-A-N-D-S-K-L-A-R-S-B-E-A-R-D.com. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, Graysale Brewing, Providence Ballet Theater, New Bedford Festival Theater, Jane Adams Resource Corporation, Festival Ballet, Trinity Brewhouse, CIC Providence, and R1 Indoor Karting. Thanks for listening. Thank you.